In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Please be seated. Good morning. <clears throat> and to those of you who, like me, have been away for a while, welcome back. It's a pleasure to see everybody today, the holidays being over, I guess. Um, it's, it's, to me, I, I love when the holidays come. I kind of love when they go because they can be a lot of work and they can be pretty stressful. It's that time of year, though, when the, the cold really begins to set in and you notice it in particular ways. I notice it uh, because this is the time of year where at my house and certainly at the church, I have that um, little surprise of winter that comes every time I walk across the room and then touch a doorknob or a light switch or anything that, that conveys grounding in any way. Because the instant you touch it, you know what happens. There's a spark. And I always realize it just as my hand is about to touch whatever is going to spark. And, and then I, I pull back because even though I'm fascinated by electricity, I'm also, if I'm honest, pretty scared of it. And that pop really frightens me. And it, and it really bothers me. I've been in churches. Churches are notorious for this because we have to walk up a carpet to get to the front. And then each person who comes for communion walks up that carpet. And then they get to the communion rail. They kneel down. You reach down to give them communion. And if the, the edge of your hand touches their hand, pop. And I have actually, you know, reacted and thrown the host back up into the air. It's not, it's not a very... Um, attractive thing when that happens. So I've actually taken in some cases in other climates to grabbing the hand of the person whom I'm about to give communion to and then give them a hug. It saves me from that little spark that, that is so uncomfortable. And as I said, I've, I've uh, always been fascinated by electricity. I do a lot of electrical work around the house, but I'm extremely careful um, because I'm extremely fearful of it. I'm fascinated with it and terrified by it. As a small child, I used to watch in wonder as birds would fly across the sky and then light on the tops of high-tension power lines, those lines that carry thousands of volts of electricity. And the birds land on top of them like it's nothing. And they contact it and they grab hold with their talons and then they just look at each other and talk about, well, how's your day going? Yeah, well, we got a long way to fly. And they act like it's absolutely nothing. And as a small kid, I, I could not for the life of me understand how they could survive such a thing. How do you touch that much electricity and not die right on the spot? Well, as adults, you probably already know the answer to this. You've seen many a squirrel who's gone up and tried the same thing. At, at my last parish, it was a raven who landed on a 750-volt power line and contacted another line at the same time. Because you see, it's completing the circuit that actually does the job. When you complete the, when the birds land, they're not connected to anything except that power line. There's an enormous electrical potential there but it isn't going anywhere. But when the squirrel reaches out, the squirrel is still touching the pole or something else, 
the raven was touching another line. Then, when you touch that high voltage line, you'll know. It's a lot more than the spark of, uh, of touching a doorknob or of having communion with a, with a person who's just walked up a rug to get to the, to the communion rail. It's a big, big charge. You can avoid it by just making sure you never complete the circuit. You and I could swing from high-tension power lines and hold on and have a grand day, just, just like the birds do, as long as we never complete the circuit. And many of us treat our own baptism that way. And many of us are taught to think of God in those kind of cute, uh, sentimental ways that Jesus is my buddy, God is my co-pilot, that, uh, that God really expects very little of me except to know that Jesus loves me, and then I can go off about my day and just do whatever I would have ordinarily done. But if you're reading this text pretty closely, you'll see that this, this Jesus who is God with us, this Jesus who arrived as a baby and we think of in these cute and sentimental terms, actually completes the circuit and requires big things of us. Um, many of you, I'm sure, have actually been to the Holy Land. I've been twice on pilgrimages and been to the River Jordan where Jesus was baptized and it's cold and it's dirty. Uh, and, and people were getting in there for the purpose of being cleansed of their sins. They were being ritually purified by John the Baptist, um, who was pronouncing a, a forgiveness of sins and a need for repentance. And along comes Jesus, who essentially spikes the water by getting in it with John. And John, in, in Matthew's gospel, it's the only gospel where this happens, uh, John protests and says, why would I baptize you? You don't need this baptism. You don't have any sins to repent from. And Jesus, in uh, you know, concert with the rest of the Gospel of Matthew, says, well, because this is necessary for us to, fill, to fulfill righteousness, to fulfill prophecy. It is necessary. What he's doing is spiking the water by his presence, completing the circuit, if you will, and upping the stakes. So these people who had come before, who just got their sins washed away, supposedly, and then just went on about the life they had before, no closer to God than they were before, suddenly the experience changes. Suddenly now, Jesus, by becoming part of that water, becomes one of us, completes the circuit between God and man. You know that Michelangelo uh, painting at the Vatican where Adam and God are touching like this? He's completing that circuit. He is causing the water to become a new thing, and by virtue of that, causing the baptism that you and I receive to become a new thing. And we have a choice to make. Most of us were baptized as babies, and we don't have the choice about whether or not we get baptized. In some traditions you do, but in ours, not so much. You're baptized as a baby. But you can choose 
not to complete the circuit. You can choose to keep this God with us on call, on retainer, so that when times are tough, yeah, you say a little prayer. The stakes are very, very low. You can choose it that way. Or you can ground that circuit and see what God actually has in mind. Well, to understand what God really has in mind, aside from this beloved nature that we inherit, you have to go back to these other readings. If you look at the second reading from Acts, you hear the story of Peter baptizing Cornelius. If you want to read a good story, read the entire Acts 10. It tells the story of Cornelius. He was a, a Roman centurion who was considered a very godly person, but he wanted to go the distance and he didn't know what to do. And God spoke to uh, Cornelius in a dream and spoke to Peter in a dream. Peter did not want to go out baptizing Gentiles because they were unclean. They weren't, they weren't part of God's people. And God told him in a, in a vision, you must not call unclean what I have called clean, that is, the Gentiles. And he's saying that because this, this power that Jesus is conveying is intended to permeate the entire world. That it's intended to be offered everywhere. Not because we deserve it, because none of us do, but because God has chosen to give us righteousness we don't have, to give us power we don't have for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. God has made a decision to give us something that is not rightly ours and to offer that gift completely for nothing. And so that's why Peter says, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. More accurately, anyone who comes to God becomes acceptable. My colleague uh, Harold Lewis is fond of saying, God does not call the righteous and the worthy. God makes righteous and worthy those whom God calls. And the call is a big one. Talk about completing the circuit. Now let's go back to Isaiah and hear these words again. Because this is the expectation of our baptism. Here is my servant, that's you, whom I behold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He or she will bring forth justice to the nations. They will not cry or lift up their voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed you will not break, and a dimly burning wick you will not quench. You will faithfully bring forth justice. You will not grow faint or be crushed until God has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for your teaching. Thus says the Lord, says God, the Lord, who has created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it 
and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. That's you. A light to the nations. To open the eyes that are blind and to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prisoners, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and the new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. That's completing the circuit. You can walk out of this building today like a bird on a power line. You don't have to let this take you at all. Wade deeper in the water and complete the circuit and see what things God has for you. Amen.